welcome to Our Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Oh, pretty good, thanks. Cool, good. It's uh, it suddenly got very hot again, so I'm not enjoying that. I'm very just sitting in my living room sweating. Oh, no. I can't have the windows open because there's a barbecue happening outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was quite nice here earlier, but like, yeah, once again, we've had like rain and thunderstorms. It's it's currently, so to your context, it's currently half eight in the evening. Yeah. And it's still 20 degrees. I swear. I hate this. <laughs> 16 degrees here, and it's nice and cloudy outside. Oh, I should move to the north. <laughs> it's so grim. I'm on my, my spiritual home, where it's cloudy <laughs> and lots like, sort of rains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Have you played much Magic this week? Um, a reasonable amount, I think. I guess first things first, Arena's had a pretty significant update this week. Yeah, there's been a lot going on there with the... Well, I mean, you've been playing it. Yeah. It's not nice to talk about, but feel free to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> finally got Kaladesh block on there. Sweet. Like, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've got uh, both Kaladesh and Ethereum on there now, and Wizards gave us uh, three packs of Kaladesh and three packs of Ethereum to open, mm-hmm. along with some rares mythics from the set as well, which is, is mm-hmm. pretty cool. So they seem to really want people to be testing the cards and testing the game so rather than have to like grind and grind and grind or pay actual money to buy packs we just got given like a load of cards so we've got like walking blisters and Chandra Torture Defiance and Fumigate and whatever you could want or need pretty much yeah, it, it was just right. being given yeah that's really sweet yeah totally and then with that there's a few sort of different formats as well so there's like a like a quick draft option now which is like I think it's going to be constant so it's going to be available all week so that one's Dominaria only uh, but you can only do that one with the premium currency, so with gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got like their regular draft format, which is like Ether Revolt at the moment. So that's going to be available all week, but it will be rotating as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have made sort of changes to the way that the sort of rank or like laddering works. Right. So they've pretty much reset everyone back to zero, and now you actually have like a like a proper rank and like a proper emblem, and you can see your progression better in the match. It just allows for like the matchmaking system to work a bit better. So like previously, you'd be like bronze rank four or whatever, and you'd be like matched against like gold rank ones and like obviously you weren't going to do very well against them uh-huh so it's getting more and more like hearthstone in terms of the actual client itself i think it's it's becoming a playable game which is uh okay sweet that's what we all wanted good definitely yeah i, th- I think <clears throat> my, my biggest issue with it is the economy definitely like there's still <laughs> still a lot to be worked out there as far as that goes but <clears throat> if they do put in codes and booster packs thing you know works out in the way they want it to then they do do that with all booster packs going forward then i, mean, I think that'll be a very good thing so that, that would be a real real positive for the game but as, as, as it stands the I don't know something needs to be done about the economy I mean they've given you like play sets of all the sort of staples from college block right yeah but that is that's just for the closed beta section I mean, obviously it will I assume everybody's just going to have complete account wipes once it, once it goes on to general release I mean, maybe they'll, yeah. they'll give us something for participating in the beta but yeah like if you were to just sort of sign up now like as if, as if the game was live and you sign up now with like a new account and you, you weren't provided with all of these sort of play sets of cards and you know myth and rares and stuff, wild cards or whatever, then it's going to take a lot of time or a lot of money to get anywhere oh, yeah, yeah. to, like, vaguely playable deck, really. Did they say that once the wipe happens, they'd refund the account with how much you'd spent? So they are going to refund any gems that have been spent, so you don't actually get the money back, so yeah, it just okay. goes back into the economy. Uh, so you get, the like, the premium currency, so you get, let's say I've spent, like, you know, like, $20 on gems, used all the gems, however, whatever, let's say that's, like, like, it's not, but let's say it's, like, 
2,000 gems or whatever, yeah. you can spend them whatever way you want, but every time they do a wipe, they'll be resetting the cards, you know, your cards in your collections, and any money spent, any gems spent, will go back to whatever the, the per- total purchased amount was. Oh, sweet. So you get you get to use your money again after it's been wiped? Yeah, totally. Sweet. So it doesn't feel like, so putting money into like a beta hasn't really wasted it? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Like, sweet. Yeah, like I think as far, as far as that sort of thing goes, and yeah, I think it's it's pretty fair enough, like what they're doing with that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I I still feel I still feel very odd about free to play games, and yeah, I think I would personally just just always play them for free. Like if they advertise themselves as free to play, mm-hmm. to me that means they are free to play, not like oh I should spend some money on this. Like yeah, I mean it means they means they're free to play at a certain level, right? Like yeah. they're not free to play the full game. You're free to play the base level, and then you know you can. Unlock tiers with money, essentially. Yeah, I guess so, but I don't know. If, I feel like even like Hearthstone, like you can, like I've never spent any any like real money on Hearthstone ever. And oh, like, you can certainly get very far without spending anything. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I'm a competent arena player, and I've like you know I've done all right as far as like just laddering in Hearthstone goes without spending any money. So I just feel weird about like not being able to do that with a Magic product, and then also just spending money on physical cards anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I've never really understood spending money on JPEGs. Yeah. <laughs> just to get an image of a magic card, like it's not at least I at least want a physical piece of paper with a JPEG of a magic card. Well, it's, it. it's not just an image; you get the digital license as well. Oh sh- yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not concerned about that. <laughs> but sure. yeah, besides besides Arena, um, mm-hmm. uh, I've been playing a lot of Magic Online again, just like running back to back like Dominaria Seals. Like I've, again, I've yet to like three nil any of them, but I've done plenty of two ones. And I just can't get enough for the format. Two one gets you sixty play points, right? Yeah, totally. So it costs you. Cost you sixty play points to join a fan, uh, phantom sealed, and then uh, if you win two two rounds and you get sixty play points back, so sweet. So you just keep going. Yeah, just keep going, keep going, going infinite with it. It's like it's just a really fun format. It's I don't think I would ever get bored of it. No, like I'm, I'm like just all the time whenever I've got a spare like hour or so, I just want to load up a draft. Yeah, and then other than that, uh, I've also given it a go with the uh, bit of an experimental format that they've stuck up on Magic Online. Um, it's I think it's called plain, uh, planar sealed. It might be right. What's that? Like, it's it's kind of like an interplanar battle. So they've got a, a few different sort of se- I guess sealed environments on there, and they're based on on a bunch of different planes. So you've got like Innistrad, you've got Zendikar, you've got Mirrodin, and you can basically you pick one of the planes, and then you mm. get a sealed pool from that plane. So Innistrad, for example, you'll get a pack of Innistrad, a pack of Dark Ascension, a pack of Avastan Resor- Restored, uh, and then I think it was like two packs of Shadows and a pack of Eldritch Moon. Okay. And then that'll be your, your sealed pool to build from that. Like Zendikar, you got like pack of Zendikar, pack of Worldwork, pack of Rise of Eldrazi, and then it was like a couple of Battle for Zendikar and like an Oath of the Gatewatch pack. So, so you, you build a... Planes. Yeah, so you, you're playing, you pick your plane and then you pit, you build a sealed pool from your plane and then pit that against the other people who've either built from the same plane, plane as you or or just Zendikar as it seems because everybody seems to just be picking Zendikar. It's where all the powerful cards are, right? Yeah, majority, it, yeah. I guess it it's Phantom, yeah. Uh, okay. Which uh, <laughs> I didn't realise uh, straight away, so like straight away it booted up and I'm like, Innistrad, I'm going to go Innistrad, definitely, yeah. How are you? Yeah, and jumped on to go and put my play point, 60 play points, whatever it was, into, or 100 play points, whatever it was, into Innistrad. And then it was like, oh, wait, yeah, it's Phantom. Like, they're not just going to give everyone Snapcaster Mages for, like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All these fetch lands, the Lilianas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, That's not how it works. Nah, totally not. 
So I, I've done two of them so far. Um, both times I picked Innistrad. Like I think it's probably my favourite plane. So I thought, why not? Mm-hmm. There are some sort of interesting decks and interesting cards from the sets available. Sure. And yeah, both times I played against Endicar three like for three rounds in each of them and went two one both. Like people Sweet. people seem to just a either like Zendikar as a plane or b realise that all of the allies across all of the the five sets you get do really like powerful things together. Yeah, I imagine there's some like plenty plastic combos you can put together with those. Yeah, cards. absolutely. Um, I had like my opponent in like the the first one that I did. Uh, I think it was like round two. Like my opponent had like a Gideon ally of Zendikar as well, and had like a bunch of allies out and was just making night tokens with Gideon because it was just triggering all their ally effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine you didn't win that game. No, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. I've, yeah, it's, it's mainly been playing a lot of limited this week, but I've enjoyed Sweet. it a lot. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Um, I haven't played a lot of Magic this week, actually. No. Um, I've been away this weekend, so I didn't get to play FNM. Uh, and I played a bit on Wednesday, played some Legacy and some Commando. It's pretty sweet. Cool. I did a draft online, drafted a sweet black-white deck. Oh, nice set Dominaria. Yeah, awesome. so I drafted a black-white deck and then opened... Um, <laughs> my pack on big one was Ice Manipulator. Sweet, seems good. And then I started picking up like a black-white historic deck. Nice. And I opened Wrathcap Machine and the third pack uh-huh. obviously I forced the blue in there yep. it's pretty sweet I went 2-1 <laughs> yeah I think like Raph's like a sweet card and yeah just like I feel like a, a lot of the sort of mid to higher end blue cards are like just really good like, like Academy yeah. Journey Mage is probably one of my favourite cards in the set like it's just yeah, it's really, really, really cool like wizard synergies for days and then like, just that bounce effect is class yeah it's amazing I mean also I got to go before combat on my opponent's turn flashing this Raph flashing yeah. this item manipulator <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was real cool. Nice. I enjoyed that one. Seems good. That was good fun. Cool. Did you manage to get to any of the Battle Bond events this weekend? No. Nope. And neither did I. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do have a Battle of Back- Battle Bond to crack for our Cracker Pack this week. Well, let's pretend that we're doing one of those events, right? Yeah, totally. So, see, no experience. <laughs> we're not the authority on this. <laughs> no, we are not at all. They were like the last last people this set is designed for, as far as like the, the format goes. But yep. let's have some fun. So I did. Well, Let me just get the spoiler up because I would definitely not know what any of these. <laughs> so while you're doing that, I'll, I will talk about the the pack quite quite briefly, and um, there are mm-hmm. some you know, vaguely interesting things about the packs, which which at least I find quite interesting. Yeah. So usually any of the supplementary sets are printed in America. Um, I think it's like the Carter Mundy site in Texas that prints them, mm-hmm. or at least prints the majority of them. Yeah. Uh, for Battle Bond, it looks like they've all been printed in Japan. Okay. So I I don't know anything about the printing site in Japan or the the company that's printed them in Japan, but yeah, on the backs of all the packets, it just says it's made in. Japan and the packs themselves are a slightly different size to your sort of standard magic booster. Okay. So they're a bit larger. So there's probably about like a gap of about a centimeter, maybe a little bit more between like the the top of the pack and where like the card, like the top of the card in the pack. That's strange. Yeah. So they do that for like Japanese boosters. Usually have like a just like a sort of circle like indent at the top of them, so they can be sort of pop the circle out and then hang it on sort of hangers and stores. And they do that mm-hmm. for sort of the, some of the the big box stores in America I've seen as well. And I think they do it for boosters in South America too but that's not mm-hmm. something that we have in, have in the UK so it's quite mm-hmm. interesting that the, the pack is pretty much a, a very different shape from like your standard pack yeah. and there's also a pretty cool feature I'm not sure if it's on all sort of like modern Japanese packs or if it's just sort of battle bond and it'll be on supplementary packs going forward yeah. there's a bit of like a like an indent sort of like a like a tab at like the top of the booster like where the booster sealed mm-hmm. so that allows you to sort of just pull the, the top of the booster open as opposed to just like having a cracker pack like we usually would oh, does that mean we're not going to get that sweet cracker pack sound well probably not so I, I've never opened a no. booster like this before so I'm, I'm quite excited to give it a go and, yeah see what it sounds That's like really <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado let's uh, let's crack that pack yeah, let's, let's see what it's like 
Oh god, what do any of these cards do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that just slid open quite nicely. Okay, I can still hear a sound. We good. Yeah, still, still a, a rustle. The other thing about this does also mean that they do a slightly different distribution or sort of collation method within the pack itself. So mm-hmm. when you open the pack, the two cards at the front are the token and the basic land, Ooh. which are obviously not what we have here. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it affects the rest well, of the pack. Way. But I guess we'll we'll find out. All right. So uh, first up, we've got a warrior token. Sweet. Okay. It's quite nice. That. Yep. Uh, after that, we've got a mountain. Uh, boo. Pro- no, move on. Probably more play- playable than the warrior. Uh, so oh, we have our rare after that, and they do have the cards in a completely different order. So I'm going to just well, okay. shuffle the pack around a little bit. Yep. Cool. So first up, no. First up, we have mm-hmm. grotesque mutation. That is one okay. and black for an instant. Target creature gets plus three plus one against lifelink until end of turn. Um, I don't know anything about this format, but this seems very, very medium. <laughs> yeah, it was like vaguely playable if you were like had to play like a twenty second, twenty third spell in a black deck and shadows over in a strad. But yeah, also, this is the most disgusting art I've ever seen on a magic card. Oh, it's so good. In the strad's just like. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, don't know. I mean, it's it's the default pack one, pick one, but it's not yep, going sure. to end up that way. Uh, so after that, mm-hmm. we have Aurora Champion. That is two and a white for a 3-2 creature. It's an elf warrior. And it says, uh, whenever Aurora Champion attacks, if your team controls another warrior, tap target creature. That seems quite good, considering warriors are a fairly big theme. Yeah, that. totally. At the very worst, it's going to be a 3-mana three 3-2. Three like, it's yeah, possible. That's fine. I think that's going to be the pick so far, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so after that, we have Dwarven Lightsmith. That's a five and a white for a three-four Dwarf Cleric. Uh, this one has Assist, which is a new mechanic. Uh, it says okay. another player can pay up to five this spell's cost. Uh, when Dwarven Lightsmith enters the battlefield, creatures your team control gets plus one, plus one until the end of turn. Seems okay. Yeah, seems fine. I think I prefer the Aurora Champion, though. Yeah, it's one of the more solid creatures to play. Yeah, like six mana for a, a three-four. Like, the worst, it's going to be a six mana for a three-four that doesn't give anything plus one, plus one. Whereas, I like, get mm-hmm. the worst, I feel like Aurora Champion's just a three mana, three-two, which playing that on turn three seems fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Aurora Champion has the higher floor and considering I don't really know anything about the format I, I think I'd probably go with that so far man our podcast is so good yeah <laughs> people come to us with some information that we don't know anything about <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, after that we've got fill with fright that is three and a black for a sorcery target player discards two cards scry two uh no yeah I think I agree there like mine rots have been very underwhelming I don't know like, I suppose Caligo skin which is pretty good in Dominaria but yeah, totally. But I think Calgo Skin, which is a bit of an exception, it's like it's a mind effect attached for a creature, which is usually mm-hmm. pretty good, I think. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't like this card. Yeah, same. I think the Royal Champion's definitely my pick still. Yeah. Sure. After that we've got Wandering Wolf. That's one and a green for a two one creature. It's a wolf. And it says creatures with power less than Wandering Wolf to power can't block it. Uh it's still not better than the champion. I agree hundred percent. Like uh, I mean you're gonna stick the two of them in the arena and they'll, they'll trade, but that that champion's mm-hmm. just better, I think. Yeah, I mean I'm not ugh, like You've got to deal 30 life to your opponents, right? Yeah. You've got to deal 30 damage, so I'm not sure I want to be on the like super low-down aggro plan. Yeah, I, I agree, definitely. Seems a bit underwhelming. Well, next up, we've got Magma Hellion. That is six and a red for a creature, a Hellion, and that also has assist, so another can play, another player can pay up to six of the spell's cost. It's a 5-4 mm-hmm. with Trample and Haste. Okay, this yeah. seems all right. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think, I don't know, how would you evaluate that compared to the Aurora Champion? Okay, so worst comes to worst, it's a 7-5-4 with, with Trample and Haste. 
Stone Age. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I that's think, an impressive creature. That's I the kind of like, thing I want to take chunks out of my opponent's life though. Yeah, sure. Um, and you know, your, your your teammate can help you cast it. I think I like this more than the Champion currently. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I, you're probably going to be able to cast this on like turn four or something. Like, if there's nothing else going on and your teammate can help you. Yeah, just like get in and start smashing. Like, because if you're yeah. if you're turn like, like a your turn four five four or trample and haste seems pretty good. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm yeah. into it. Okay, sure. Same. We'll take that so far. Definitely take that. So after that, we've got Saltwater Stalwart. It's a three and a blue for a two-four Merfolk Warrior. And whenever it deals damage to an opponent, target player draws a card. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. It sounds pretty good. Um, I yeah, I feel like I don't know, like the the blue mage in me just kind of wants to default towards that. Yeah, I mean, blue seems pretty powerful in the set. Like we've got a lot of powerful nonsense going on. Yeah, and I feel like from <laughs> the very minimum amount of cards we've seen so far, like two-four body seems decent. Like that's just going to be able to block things. Yeah, yeah. So like it's. it's we're getting through yeah yeah let's let's take the, the stalwart yep let's go for that then uh, so after that we've got the crowl warrior that's one and a green for an insect warrior it's a two two and you can pay five and a green and it gets plus three plus three until end of turn yeah uh, this is the kind of card, card i want to pick up later yeah absolutely like probably just like a solid c level card maybe like mm. b minus level card like but nobody's taking them like early on no i think i mean the point of this format is to have fun right yeah absolutely so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this guy. I want to do something more interesting. Sure, I agree. Uh, after that, we've got Pierce Strider. That is a four mana uh, artifact creature construct. It's a three three. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses three life. Um, again, it's not particularly interesting. No, not interesting. It does seem quite good. Like the worst Yay. you're paying like four mana, you lose three. Like, mm-hmm. but uh, that saltwater Starward just seems a little more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a colorless seed rhino. Yeah, type deal. Yeah, kind of. I don't hate it. I mean. It keeps you open as well, right? Yeah, same. Yeah, I don't hate that card. Hmm, okay, I'm probably still on the stalwart, but this seems fine. I agree. I'll put it in the maybe pile. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so after that, we've got Cowl Prowler. That is a 4 and 2 green for a 6 6 worm. No. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. at least it's not Colossal Dreadmore. I wish it was Colossal Dreadmore. That would have been sweet. <laughs> I don't want to take it for, you know, meme value. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's bad. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So we hit our uncommons now. Our first uncommon, mm. we've got Bring Down. It's 3 and a white for a sorcery. Again, it has assist. Uh, another player can pay up to 3 of the spell's cost. It says destroy target creature with power 4 or greater. Yeah, it seems quite good. Yeah. I like it. I'm not a fan of, not really a fan of it being sorcery, but that's, like, it's it's removal, isn't it? Removal's good. Yeah, I mean, you want to take down, like, it takes down bombs, right? Yeah, that's totally. What you, that's what you want. Uh, I think this is the pick so far. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there, definitely. It'll bring down as our pick so far. Mm-hmm. After that, we have uh, Pulse of Morassa. That's Two and a green for an instant. Return target creature or land card from the graveyard to its owner's hand. You gain six life. I love this card. I yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun little card. I can't imagine ever pack one, pick one in it though. No, you don't want to pick it up because it's like it's yeah, it's just a nice card to have in a green deck. But yeah, totally. Like I used, yeah. used to play it in like a sideboard of like a target red. Like mm-hmm. I still play card with these. Yeah, interesting. The stone coming in this set. Yeah, totally. Have they, have they deemed it too powerful or hmm, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not taking it. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> oh, after that, we have. Spell Snare, so that is okay. one blue mana for an instant. Counter target spell with converted mana cost two. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, you would same. never play it, it's limited. No, you wouldn't ever, ever play it. And, like, unless I'm playing some sort of like strange format where everything costs one or two, like, sure, yeah. but no. This is not a limited yeah. card. You made a sweet, like, $3, though, so that's yeah, good. It's, yeah, it probably cost me the... Yeah, my pack's probably paid for itself there, so that's that's fine. Woohoo! Fine. Well, onto our rare. Uh, yeah. Our rare is a generous patron. So that is two and a green for a creature. It's an elf advisor. It's a 1-4. And when generous patron enters the battlefield, support two. 
so you put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two of a target creatures and then whenever you put one or more counters on a creature you don't control draw a card Ugh, the hell is this <laughs> seems like a like a card that's pretty much just exclusively for this format yeah it seems like it's um, it sort of forced right yeah like, it's so. a cool design it's a cool design but space but I don't think I want to take it yeah I agree uh, like yeah mm-hmm. like it being a one four seems fine like it's yeah it's going to block most things but it's never really going to be getting in for much no it seems pretty mm, uh, see, see I'm not, I'm not really about re-evaluating the um, what's the removal spell called bring down bring down looking through the set there aren't a lot of creatures with power 4 or greater <laughs> that I'd actually want to kill yeah um, which is has made me reevaluate that pick slightly oh god it can't just be the, un- the the common artifact creature can it maybe maybe it is oh god maybe it's this maybe it's this this green rare maybe it's the the, uh, the generous patron that one yeah maybe it's that maybe that's actually good maybe yeah I, I feel like I don't really know enough about this format and probably never will so uh, you I, yeah like I I think I think personally I might go out on a limb and just pick that Pierce Strider yeah sure I mean, it seems good. Yeah, it keeps you open. So it's, it's going to be playable in any deck, and four mana three three that deals. Uh, yeah, target opponent loses three life, and it's battlefield is pretty good. I mean, we have to pick two cards, right? In Battlefield. Ah, yeah, we do. Yeah. So you pick that, hey. and I'll pick the patron. Sure. And then you know we'll probably get there. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll die to our opponent's bring down. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'll make I'll make your uh, strider too big with my patron. Oh, yeah. this format's so complex. I know, it's so deep, so deep. Oh, man. okay. Well, that that felt like a good use of everyone's time. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put some timestamps in so you can uh, you can fast forward through that if you <laughs> if you do wish so. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm sure I'm sure at some point we'll play the format. Like we probably we probably have to for a laugh at like nationals or GP Liverpool or whatever. Yeah, right? we'll just we'll, we'll hang out and do it and then yeah, we'll know. do it once and never speak of it again. Never speak of it while we're doing it. Just like yeah. you know, it remain completely stalwart the entire time. Yeah, just open those foil true name nemesis. Nem- that's all. Nemesi. That's what I wanted to happen, and yeah. then that would have made an exciting segment. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to this thing where we're like, mm, maybe this card is good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So without cracker pack uh, done and over, I think the more you said about that, the better. Uh, let's move on to our, our card of the week. So, do you have a card of the week this week, Sam? Yeah, it's um, my card of the week is Primeval Titan. Awesome, prime time. Yeah, because I've picked up the Amulet Titan deck in modern. Oh, nice. Because it's actually really cheap. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Surprisingly, like it's not as good as it used to be. Um, so I picked up I picked up the cards because I was, gonna, I was putting together a legacy version. Yeah. Because Summer Bloom is still legal in legacy. Yeah, true. Uh, but it turns out Wasteland and Source of Power Shares just <laughs> ruin that deck. But yeah, I've, I've picked up the bits to, the bits to play it in, in modern, and it's just really, really fun. Yeah. And um, I mean, everyone knows how much I love green. And casting, like, you know, a six mana, six, six with trample that fetches you lands on turn four is pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. And I just win the game by attacking them with an 8 8 double striker. Sweet. But yeah, I've just been really enjoying, like, playing a different deck because I've been playing, like, I play sort of fair creature decks or, like, creature combo decks, um, like the, the Druid deck. Yeah. Loads. Like, I played, like, Monero Company for ages, played the Green White Value Town for ages, yeah. played Druid. For ages, and I just want to play something different. I and mean, I know it's still a green creature deck, <laughs> but it's it's more of like an actual sort of linear combo deck. Yeah. Um. And like I really like playing sort of complex lines. Yeah. It's why I've never really been been interested in stuff like burn or like I quite like how death and taxes plays, but it's not really what I want to be doing if I'm playing magic because it just it's a bit too linear. Yeah. Sure. With stuff like um stuff like Amulet Titan, you can just like go so deep on it, and you can put in like loads of one arm stuff like with the Telerio Wests and like loads of um 
one-off lands and stuff. And there's different like ways you can build the main deck to put it with with summoners packs. You can put like uh, a one-off Tidus Tracker or a Reclamation Sage. Yeah. Um, and it's just been fun, sort of going deep and find all the different lines on that because it's like it's the kind of deck where there isn't really a correct play. <laughs> <laughs> there's never really because it's so difficult to because it's so complex and there's so many moving parts of the deck. Um, it's so difficult to find out what the actual correct play was. Yeah. So I don't think I'd ever play it at a GP. Okay. Um, but it's really fun to just jam games with. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, I continue to play modern. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a more interesting card of the week? Um, maybe. Uh, so my card of the week is Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Yeah. So for those who don't know, it's an eight mana colorless planeswalker or legendary planeswalker. Ugin plus two. Ugin Spirit Dragon deals three damage to target creature or player. Minus X. Exile each permanent with converted mana cost. XLS. That's one or more colors. Minus ten. You gain seven life. Draw seven cards. Then put up to seven permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. And it comes in with seven loyalty. It's quite a good card. Oh, it's great. I love Ugin. It's really good if you cast it on like turn four or something. Yeah, turn four Ugin is great. Can't really do much better than that. Uh, I miss Heroes Battle. <laughs> <laughs> so why is that why is that your card of the week? So Ugin the Spirit Dragon is my card of the week uh, because this week we found out a little bit about what the core 2019 storyline is going to be about. Is it about why Nicobolus' face is so creepy in that picture? Quite possibly. So it seems to be that the story uh, it's going to be written by uh, an author called Kate Elliott uh, it focuses mainly on the origins of the conflict between Nicobolus and the aforementioned Ugin the Spirit Dragon. That is something I didn't know I wanted so badly but now that I know that that's a thing I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that was something that I knew I wanted so badly, but didn't think we were going to get anytime soon. Awesome. So, yeah, it's all come out of nowhere because we're all like hyped for Ravnica, right? Yeah, totally. And now we've got this to look forward to. Yeah, so. like we we knew from the obviously the artwork for the the core set that's been spoiled and like the packaging mm-hmm. and stuff that obviously Boltless was going to be a thing, but in what capacity we, we wouldn't know. Like, was there just going to be some sort of like, oh, Bolus is doing this while people are doing stuff on Dominaria, or like, is it going to be Precinct Ever his like nefarious plan? Or you know, we we knew nothing other than the images of Bolas we had but yeah from the uh, the live stream they did uh, on Thursday I think it was Thursday evening Thursday night mm-hmm. uh, we got a bit of a, a bit of talk about this the story and it's going to be like I said the conflict about Nicol Bolas between Nicol Bolas and Ugin and that a portion of the story is going to take place on Tarka sweet plane I am so hyped about like one of my favourite planes so since since your card of the week is Ugin the Spirit Dragon yeah. shouldn't I now retroactively chain bind to Nicol Bolas yeah, quite probably. <laughs> I mean, we are the RFD Session podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. You picked Ugin out of the two. Yeah. You can't root for Ugin. Oh, I, I love Ugin. Although, but, that, yeah, retroactively picking a pick would also fit with the whole timeline time travel thing as well. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> nice, because we don't know what timeline it's going to take place on, right? Yeah, we don't. Like, we I assume from the way that we're talking about the story, I assume it's going to be in the past, but new timeline. So they were talking about, like, the Ojitai clan and the Silumgar clan and Colligan clan, as opposed to, like, the Jeskai clan, Mardu clan, the Sultai clan. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's it's the clans, or at least like you know, like the clan colours, but it's gonna be the, the Elder Dragons leading up those clans, which is pretty cool. They Sounds did good. yeah, they did also mention that the, the original Elder Dragons, so the ones from Legends, are going to feature in the story as well. Awesome. So there's gonna be a lot of sort of Elder Dragon War stuff, I think. And I just personally really love Ugin as a character, so any airtime Ugin gets is great and yep. any sort of interaction between Bolus and Ugin is also fantastic. Definitely. 
only downside, I think, really, is that because they discontinued the dual decks, we're never going to get an Ugin versus Nicol Bolas dual, dual deck. Oh, that would have been sweet. It would have been perfect. You know, obviously, we don't know what the story is for this yet, but I assume it would have been perfect to go with, with this this set. Oh, wait, no, I've just realised. Yeah. Our, uh, our card of the week should have been Crux of Fate. It should have been Crux of Fate, yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to plan these podcasts better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe maybe, we'll like a maybe story next time. card in M- uh, M19. Yeah, maybe, maybe Crux of Fate yeah, will get a reprint. Uh, that'll happen, I guarantee. Yeah, sweet. Cool. I haven't oh, yeah. So I think Watsy should give us a preview card for M19. Yeah. And it should be Crux of Fate. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get tweeting at Mark Rosewater now. <laughs> we should move on to our next segment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So one of the ways that Ugin ties into into the the theme, I guess, of the podcast this week was to highlight the story. Because this week, our main sort of topic, I guess, is all about the, the story of Dominaria. And how much we love it. Yeah. Love and not so love some parts of it. Yeah, most of it. I, mm. <laughs> I think I've already made my thoughts on this podcast abundantly clear about how I feel about the story. So for Dominaria, we got the, the story in 12 segments. Um, mm. I feel like quite a lot happened over those 12 segments, but not necessarily yeah. huge amount happened in each segment. Yeah, time passed. Yeah. Uh, but while I was reading the story, time seemed to stand still. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do a bit of a, a rundown of each segment. So in the first episode, it sort of picks up pretty much exactly where Hour of Devastation ended. So yep. they've all planes walked off to Dominaria after they've had that horrendous showdown with Bolas where they just got wrecked. Yep. Jace has been cast off to Ixalan, so he's on Ixalan doing you know, pirate things and... <laughs> dinosaur things and the less said about that place the better that was a great synopsis of the Ixlan story yeah Jay's doing pirate and dinosaur things yeah. that's all that happened that Pretty was much. the entire story yeah there might have been a, a minotaur as well you love that guy oh, that's great he hates Ixlan more than you do <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I love him. Like I, I just just relate on so many levels. <laughs> if ever a magic character could swear. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So after after the hour of devastation fight, they all planes walk to Dominaria, and that's pretty much where the story just kicks off. The Gatewatcher being defeated. They're all sort of at odds with each other, and yeah, pretty much they they part ways there. Like Nissa's kind of it. yeah. Nissa's like, I've had enough. Like that's it. Like we're not gonna not gonna help you further your cause. You know, Liliana just storms off like presumably she goes back to Zendikar like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I assume she goes back to like Zendikar because she feels like she can make like an actual difference there and help people with their lives there you know but, rather than beating you know Nicol Bolas who's only like the greatest even in the entire multiverse yeah you know gotta but, beat those I don't know what's, what's left on Zendikar is actually gonna cause many trouble like she's gonna help out with the refugee camps and you know attempt to clean up the Eldrazi mess and... okay that's, that's fair that's quite nice yeah, that's nice to do fair actual, actual good work that she can you know, she can see physical evidence of. Uh, so she goes, she goes, off she's gone, and who knows if we'll ever see Nessa again. I hope so. Yeah, me too. It's uh, like my second favourite planeswalker. Oh. <laughs> and then, yeah, Chandra kind of yeah stands her ground for a minute, and she talks it out with, with Liliana and Gideon, and then suddenly kind of goes, well, there's something I need to do, and bang, Chandra's gone. And it's like, well, there <laughs> we go. find myself. <laughs> yeah, Gatewatch, Gatewatch disbanded. Mm-hmm. Nissa's gone, Chandra's gone, who knows where Jace is. So, yeah, obviously, that's literally it <laughs> there was no character development there was nothing at all it was just him in a pirate hat just so, suddenly I'm pirate yes yeah. exactly. <laughs> so Gideon and Liliana the most unlikely of allies oh, ally. Det- yes yeah. yeah determined to <laughs> pair up to go and go and take down Bells and Lock and Gideon is obviously very
very very you know, proud of the the skate gate watch thing and it's something that he has a lot of a lot of faith in and because of the the personal losses he's suffered in his life he's kind of like well i've made this pact i've made this vow like i'm going to do that i'm going to defend that you know working for liliana and helping a killer demons really isn't sort of the best use of my time but Mm-hmm. You know, it's doing bad things to bring about a good ending. So whatever, I'm conflicted, but I'll stick with that. So Gideon and Liliana off they go to explore the the land of Dominaria. Yeah. Uh, along the way, obviously Gideon was injured in his fight from Nicol Bolas, so they stop at a. a I'm not sure where exactly they are heading, but uh, they they do stop at a, at a town and uh, mm-hmm. go on, is, is it Benalia? I, I think I think they are heading to Benalia. I'm not sure where exactly from. Yeah. So they, they find B and B. Yeah. So they find a, an inn, find a and B. Uh, <laughs> Gideon can Gideon can rest and, and heal up and it's then that Liliana discovers what happened to I guess what happened to her, her family really that they all died and the only thing that's left of her is her brother Josu is now a leech yep so, yeah so she's, uh, she's pretty unhappy about that mm-hmm. and then that's pretty much where the first episode ends god that was riveting yeah big reveal that her brother her brother's still alive or sort of still unalive uh, and now he's a leech working for Belzenlock yeah and they said that in the story if you read it about four times yeah they do yeah like the narrator says it then Liliana says it just you know just in case you in case you didn't, I don't know <laughs> I'm gonna complain for no reason I, I feel like it's like a like a part one. Like it was fine. Like it. It got me interested. I, it definitely I was like I wanted to read more. So. Yeah, absolutely. I thought yeah, I really I, I enjoyed that first episode. It picked up where the where the Arrow Devastation story left off like perfectly, mm-hmm. and it was like okay, it's just going to be Gideon and Liliana. How are the two of them going to overcome this this demon when you know the the four or five of them on on Armand get Gabelli take you know take down one? So you know it was a decent way to start it all off. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. But then you had episode two. Uh, the Raven Man appears to Liliana, Ooh. which was something that I was I was hoping we'd see a lot of the Raven Man on Dominaria. Yeah, didn't happen. Considering that was where Liliana first encountered the Raven Man and like where she's from, and yeah, pretty much this whole whole massive part of her of who she is as a character, really. Yep. And he uh, he briefly appeared in this in this story. Yep. Uh, so she has a, one of her strange talks with the Raven Man as she does whenever he pops up. Where they they argue about things, they go back and forth on things, and eventually she she figures out that Bell's Nox's plan to keep Josu alive as a lich would be so that she wouldn't be able to use the, the chain veil to kill Josu and then kill Belzenlock as well. So she realises, well, I, I need to use the chain veil to break my brother's curse. I need to do that to set him free so he can finally rest, so he can finally die. So we need to find another way to kill Belzenlock. Uh, she sort of breaks the news to Gideon and it's a bit awkward. And they team up with some of the, the townspeople there and they, they go and fight a, a small army which is invaded obviously led by Josu and they have a, a fight with, with some skin witches and dread shades which are yeah described quite quite horrifically in the story which is pretty cool uh, eventually yeah. culminates in Liliana using the chain veil to break the curse and kill Josu yep. again I thought that was like a fairly decent episode like again like a lot of stuff happened to progress the story like the Raven Man first appeared and you were like okay this is cool this is what we were wanting from Dominaria we're going to find out some things about him oh this has happened to Liliana's brother oh there's a big fight oh she finally freed her brother that thing yep I thought that was really cool it was um, still think the writing was quite bad. Yeah, I, I again, I, I I don't think the writing was was fantastic, but I felt like at, at that point it was still very much. Yeah, I want to read more. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. 
more, more, more. Okay, so from each from each story, obviously from episode two on, yeah. I'm going to pick my favourite my favorite line. Cool. Gideon came toward her. His expression was shocked. It's good. Yeah. It's episode three. <laughs> high, high quality writing there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Episode three was there. Was I? I thought episode three was one of the best of the whole story, like if not the best. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Essentially, it's about the the, the weatherlight, and once the weatherlight's been been raised and it's been restored to its former glory uh, Jahira needs a, needs a crew so yeah. she goes around and manages to essentially build a, a new gate watch in one story as opposed to like you know two entire blocks. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. You know, she she doesn't mess about. No, not at all. Like, it, I thought the, the pacing of the story was pretty good and it just managed to, like, it managed to set the tone for the, the Weatherlight crew just really well, I thought. Like, you had all of the throwbacks to, like, the original Weatherlight crew and then all of the things to keep it relevant to, like, the, the current storyline as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, so she pretty much just flies around in the Weatherlight, picking people up, going, hey, this is what we're going to do in the Weatherlight. I've got the I'm captain of the Weatherlight. Do you want to join my crew? And they get, like, a mage. They get a, a warrior. They get you know everybody who could fill any role on the Weatherlight ship, uh, yep. and off they go. And then suddenly, at the end, a Johnny arrives. He planes walks on the ship. Yeah, of course, of course he does. Yeah, and that's why. Why wouldn't he? That just just kind of happens. Yeah. So it, again, I'd say <laughs> well, while I haven't got a lot to say sort of about the story itself, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing in this case. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought it was one of the one of the better written or sort of better paced stories, and say so it did, did just manage to get everything done in regards to like like assembling this new team yeah like a lot faster than at least it did in you know the past like two years that the the whole gatewatch storyline has been going yeah so what was your favorite line from episode three this one's difficult because it's actually not that bad yeah like it's actually it's, it's many dialogue and it's sort of all right yeah <laughs> found it it had rained earlier and the sand was still damp <laughs> Fantastic scene setting there. Yeah. I feel like I'm right there. <laughs> oh, you're just going to pick all, all of the bad lines, aren't you? But that was sort of the point. <laughs> <laughs> it had rained. Yeah. Wait, Dominaria, it rains. It does. Uh, it does rain on Dominaria. No, there's, you know, air pressure and stuff. Yeah. On episode four. So episode four, I thought the was where it sort of took a bit of a dive really like mm-hmm. there was sudden like a, a drop off in both quality and also like quantity of story so yeah. I thought it just felt like not a lot happened in this episode at all pretty much it's just lots of bonding and, and talk lots of dialogue between all of the new Weatherlight crew members without actually progressing the story at all that's the thing I feel like it's more it seems more part of like you know the sort of middling bit of a novel yeah rather than what's meant to be the sort of snappy quick paced magic story that like you just read in it like in a short amount of time yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and it is just a lot of dialogue and sort of chatting and scene setting, which, you know, is important, but... Yeah, absolutely. A lot of time. I think they had to, like, obviously tick a lot, a lot of boxes as far as, like, doing throwbacks to, like all of the old sets and like all of the old sets are set on Dominaria goes mm-hmm. so I, th- I think a lot of that was attempted to be sort of covered in this episode but as far as like actual story progression goes like not a lot happens at all like the fight to Phoenix like that's, that's about it it's like they have their first fight together as a team and mm-hmm. are successful so yeah I just feel like it was a bit of a filler episode and didn't really do anything it's probably my, my least quite possibly my least favourite episode of the whole thing yeah it's really quite ugh, it's nothing happened they just talk to each other and like none of the characters are particularly fleshed out though yeah <sighs> Like some of the interactions between the characters are just 
absurd. Yeah. I don't really get it. No, I was not a fan at all. So, what was your favourite bit from episode four? That probably won't kill me. Arvad warned her. He was certainly honest. I'll come up with something, Tiana promised. That's fair, Arvad said. Yeah, it's not great. Jeez, it's so boring. (laughs) I mean, also, at the very start of the, uh, at the very start of the, this, this episode, it literally says the sentence in a standalone paragraph, then everything starts to go downhill. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's some good foreshadowing. Oh, that definitely (laughs) describes this, this episode, I think. Oh, man. Anyway, yeah, episode five. So, yeah, after that, we've got episode five. Uh, I thought this one was a little bit more interesting. So, Mm -hmm. this one, Liliana and Gideon, uh, they arrive at Benalia, and they meet with the Weatherlight crew, so it's a big convergence of everybody, finally. Uh, Ajani's there as well, and obviously they all fill each other in on what happened in Armenkert. Understandably, Ajani's upset that they went there and tried to mess with Bolas. Jace shows up as well, and has a a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a a moan about Liliana, and pretty much like, no, I'm not getting involved with this Gatewatch thing anymore. Like, we're not doing this. Like, she's going to betray us all. Peace out, and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, everybody who sticks around is like, well, you know, the point of the Weatherlight is we're gonna we're, we're, we're here to fight the Cabal. We're gonna get rid of Bells and Lock. Obviously, the two of you want to get rid of Bells and Lock as well. Let's work together. Uh, they they hatch a plan to they go to Talaria and speak with Joda to get some information on the the Cabal stronghold and how they can sort of infiltrate that. And while they're there, they're attacked by a Cabal agent in disguise, and then they find out about the Black Blade and decide that they're going to use the Black Blade to kill Bells and Lock. Yep, good plan. Yeah, definitely. See, it was definitely a lot better than the the previous episode. Definitely. Yeah. There were some some you know interesting potential story progression points, like you know, some actual conflict between the characters, uh, and then yeah, you've got the whole. Well, now we've got a plan. And now we've got our, you know, we know how we're going to kill Bells and Lock. Yep. Let's, let's go and do that then. Yes. It's still not that fast-paced, is it? No, it's not. It's as snappy as you want it to be. Yeah, I, I agree there, definitely. Mm-hmm. So did you have a favourite from this episode? Yep, this is uh, about Liliana. Yeah. She knew she looked stubborn and angry and distressed, and tried to compose her expression into her usual contemptuous sneer. She wasn't sure she managed it. What's that adding to the story? <laughs> uh, not a lot. What's, what's the difference between stubborn and angry and distressed, and a contemptuous sneer? Surely they look fair fairly similar. Yeah, they're all sort of, I guess maybe the, the sneer is just all of those emotions rolled into one. Yep. God, I just, this this has been my main problem with it. It's just like this little jarring sentence to just take you out of it. Yeah. It's not particularly fast-paced anyway. You're not really getting anywhere with the plot. And then just like, they'll just say some nonsense and it just, <laughs> it, it really draws me out of it. Yeah. There was a pretty good line from Ralph though. Yeah. Um, so when, when Gideon Planeswalks away, bye, it was nice meeting you, come again whenever you want to have an inex- inexplicable Planeswalk confrontation in front of total strangers. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Totally. Like there are some there are some gems, but generally I found the writing to be quite annoying. Maybe yeah. it's just me, but I'm just being a snob about it. Uh, I don't know. Like I think the majority of it is fine, but there are a lot of like I don't know, like uh, elements which seem just really like forced, like forced humour and yeah, definitely. yeah. I don't. Know. I feel like it, it's it's it happens a lot like later in the story, especially towards like the end. Yeah, it's because obviously they've got all these legendary creatures and all these characters that matter. Yeah, uh, in the actual set, and it seems like the most of them they just sort of name check them and they don't really matter. Yeah, absolutely. Like they like, they were introduced to Naban and Joda, and like they don't really matter. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this while I, while I was drafting um, on Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the the amount of legendary creatures in the set like they are they're a lot more than usual and they do usually try to fit them all into the story one way or another and like yeah i could rem i can remember where like most of them turn up but even, like some of them like although i've read the story like inside and out like a few times now i struggle yeah. to even remember where any of them turn up like, like oh. where where does adelie's come into it like, yeah i know you like they're so they're so unmemorable yeah that it's why have you bothered writing them in yeah and even on like the cards like the cards that are powerful and good like 
add a loser Cinderwind, for example. Like, really, really cool card for the limited format, but yep. I don't remember where she turns up in the story. No, you don't even tell them why she's important. Or, like, if she turns up in the story at all. Like, I genuinely cannot remember. Nope, I can't think, I can't place her. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, this is, apart from with the, with the whole thing, it's like, um, it's not memorable. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're all called, like, episode one, episode two, episode three, like, why don't they actually have names? Yeah, true, yeah. Like, because that, that makes it really hard to follow as well, because you don't... Or even, like, chapters. You can just call it chapter one, chapter two. Yeah, I mean, like, it just, there's nothing to, like, evoke what actually happens in the plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you can't, think, so it isn't, it isn't, like, a summary or, like, a title that explains what goes on, so you can't really think about it. It's like, episode six, and you have no idea what happened in episode six. Yeah, true. It's, it's just called episode six. Yeah. Um, Speaking of episode six. Yeah, let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, episode six is a bit of an odd one. Like, I really didn't enjoy it much at all. So, it starts mm-hmm. off with a bit of a, a slight backstory on Teferi and what sort of Teferi's recent history is. What's what he's been doing recently and it's yeah. all about him trying to solve this this puzzle that has that Urza has left behind either left for him or somebody else we're not entirely sure because who can ever be sure of Urza's motivations yeah he does random stuff all yeah. the time so for whatever reason Teferi's trying to solve this solve this puzzle and he's spent what would be you know many people's lifetimes trying to trying to solve this this maze this labyrinth this puzzle thing like unsure of like what exactly it is as well because it, it is described as like a puzzle like frequently but it seems like it's like it's like a labyrinth because you've got like I don't know like when I was reading it I was imagining something like like Indiana Jones Temple of Doom like you'll be walking <laughs> yeah. down a corridor and there'll be things like flying out the walls at home or you'll you know or swap things for like bags of sand and yeah yeah it's, it sounds like that but it's never really described in as much detail to show like exactly what it is that he's inside sure. of mm-hmm. so yeah he's trying to get this 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 puzzle he can't solve it you can't do it and just in time the weather like crew turn up and together they use the power of friendship and teamwork and managed to solve the puzzle together. That's convenient, isn't it? Yeah, really convenient. This this passage. thing, this labyrinth, this whatever, that temple that Teferi's been been trying to solve for, like, who knows? Like, it doesn't say how long he's been at it, but because time is kind of, like, irrelevant to him being a time mage and ageing at different speeds and rates and stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, he could have been spending, you know, like, you know, like a thousand years or so in trying to crack this this puzzle. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the weather light turn up and, hey, we can all do it. Yay! And it turns out that inside that puzzle or maze or labyrinth or whatever it is, it was actually a a, a power stone containing Teferi's Planeswalker Spark. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, that was, uh, it was all very convenient how it all, how it all happened. Yeah, it just... Ugh things that happened just to progress the story but the story wasn't really progressed anymore yeah totally yeah it was that like I just felt like far too convenient like and there was just lots of like unnecessary dis- descriptions of like Teferi like attempting like puzzles over and over again yeah and it's like yeah like we get it like just maybe if they'd like given more of a description of like what exactly he was doing why he was doing it yeah and then yeah, we, got meet, we got to meet his daughter though yeah we did we got to meet his daughter which was pretty cool She's Yambi. Inter- yeah Yambi's a fairly interesting character mm. uh, we'll probably never see again. Yep. Uh, that's, that's Dominaria's story in a nutshell, right? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, that, that character's cool. Oh, they're gone. Yeah, pretty much. Like, again, like, I just, I didn't think the pacing was too bad in this one, but it, it just felt like something that they could have, they could have shortened and, like, maybe merged it with, like, another episode. Yeah. So what was your favourite line from episode six? Uh, the person who caught his arm to help him swing over the deck rail appeared to be a vampire, but no one else seemed to find this unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's, that's a good example of one of those, like, attempts at like forced humour yep like okay 
great. That's yeah. We've already been through the fact that Arvad's like a vampire and like that's a big deal and like he's actually sort of fine or whatever. And now we've got this. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know if like would Teferi even have a problem with vampires at all? Like given that like he's an old walker and who knows how many planes he's seen and how many years he's lived. Yeah, it probably would have been fine. And then I like, could just move on. Like it doesn't. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't. Then just moves on to him shaking sand off his clothes. Yeah, like it's it's not like he sees a vampire and thinks like oh it's Baron Sanger like yeah, yeah. you know he he has also been doing things in the whole time that the game has progressed not just like being I don't Sitting know around. yeah well you know no, no one's going to question the fact that Johnny's a massive cat yeah yeah totally <laughs> like we, we don't because it's it, all sorts of nonsense happens well I mean there are cat people on Dominaria anyway yeah but that that's still weird right no okay maybe not no not as weird as a vampire clearly yeah yeah sure but no nobody else seemed to mind so you know it's cool well that's alright then yeah <sighs> so episode 7 was God. pretty much just a filler episode like I thought that was probably the worst episode of them all to be honest it was a complete waste of time it was just like entirely background on Teferi and what <coughs> he's been doing since he last appeared in the story essentially yep uh, it was just it, yeah it just felt really unnecessary and didn't really do anything to progress the story on like at all like it very briefly like explained his situation yeah and then went on to have like he had lots of interactions with characters that were meaningless as far as like the the plot of the story goes and characters we'll never hear of again like i think like you were saying like this was an episode entirely dedicated to just shoving cool legendary cards into the set like you've yeah. got all of these these good cards like Quende and you know we can't fit this character into the current timeline oh well let's do a bit sli- slightly in the past and he can be interacting with Teferi yeah. so it just felt like there was just a lot of stuff she wound into it and it was just filled with just far too much filler I was not a fan of this episode at all no it's just it's Nothing happens. Yeah, entirely. Nothing happens at all. Yeah. <sighs> that was a short one. Yeah. Did you have a, a, a favourite quote from that one? Yep. So this is uh, Teferi uh, thinking about Quende and Subira. Yeah. He had no business thinking of potential romantic attachments. Not now. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is that a thing he has to think of? It's never mentioned again. Yeah. Like, okay, they're two people that, you know, they are together. And he's like, ooh, maybe they're a couple. I don't know. I shouldn't think about that. And then the story moves on. Yeah. Just these random... <laughs> why does it does it matter? Should it matter? No, it doesn't. And that's the thing. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm like, yeah, we know. So why did, the, why did you write it? Yeah. Martha, why did you write it? <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Oh. It's an odd one. Yeah, right. Episode 8. Episode 8. Oh. I I thought episode 8 was, was certainly better than episode 7. Like, probably better than episode 6 as well. But mm. I thought it was like the most predictable of the episodes yeah the fact that like I, I literally did like predict it on on an episode of this podcast if you go back a, a few episodes oh, dude we're so good at this <laughs> uh so basically episode eight uh it follows chandra and what she was up to so she turns out she'd left to return to uh, regathor uh to go and get jaya Ballard's goggles so she mm-hmm. could find jaya on dominaria using her, her goggles to look for her, her planeswalker trail or Centaur, yep. whatever it is they do. Mm-hmm. So she gets there, goes goes back to the abbey. Um, she goes to to get the goggles and uh, runs into Mother Ludi, who wants to know what she's up to, and she 
gives her a little bit of a telling off and Chandra, as, as fiery as ever, sort of throws back at her and takes the goggles and planes walks back to Dominaria. Yep. She gets back to Dominaria and then she spends her time trying to track down Jaya, but for whatever reason, she just she can't seem to keep up with her. Like, she's following sort of this this trail of, like, battle and she keeps talking to sort of survivors and people she encounters along the way and they're like, oh, they've, yeah, there was a, a war party came through or there was a fight and, yeah, they had a pyromancer, this, that. And so she's like, oh, that must be Jaya. So she keeps trying to trying to track them down. She's fallen and fallen them and she sees a bit of a commotion and goes to check it out and she finds all these, these, these tree folk attacking, like, these, like, big artifact creatures and turns out it's Khan. Yeah, Khan, just Khan. Khan is there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so she actually runs into Khan and that Khan is leading this as sort of, like small group of constructs at a, at a dig site and they're being interfered by Multani who's kind of been corrupt so he's like half asleep and thinks that there's something something sort of messing around with Dominaria something attacking them so he keeps like animating these trees and getting them to attack these, these constructs and so Chandra helps Khan fight off the trees and then Mother Lutu appears and turns out, oh, Mother Lutu was Jaya Ballard all along and there's yeah. the big reveal, big surprise. Was that the only one that knew that the entire time? Yeah. Why Why would this random woman be important? Yeah. And like, there's a whole thing about apples. Yeah. But why, why would we care unless it was actually, obviously, Jaya? I don't know. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole reveal at the end is just, just abysmal. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool, like, you know, she's cool, but... Yeah, I, I really like Chandra as a character, like, I, I really mm. do. And, like, it was cool getting that final, like, confirmation of that that thing which we've all suspected all along that Jaya Ballard runs, runs the Abbey like yep. that was cool to finally have that in, that in confirmation uh, yeah, yeah. and it's like Khan's one of my favourite planeswalkers so it's really cool to have Khan finally in the story now but it just randomly it, there yeah it did feel just a little like oh and here is Khan suddenly again just very convenient like if they'd cut that episode about Teferi and replaced it with like one about Khan yep. that probably would have been considerably better there's things like there's all the introductions and stuff and, like, and then I don't know if they're trying to be clever but like Khan's introduction is just that like just like oh he starts talking oh it's Khan and yeah. then we move on I'm Khan and I'm someone who has been gone for a long time and then like she just doesn't interact with him and just doesn't care yeah uh, I don't I think I feel like Khan's entrance should be a lot grander than that yeah I agree like it, Khan is a is a very important character I think like not even as just somebody who like really likes Khan as a character I think Khan's kind of one of the integral characters of, of the of the story if not the game like given that all of the history on you know on Dominaria and the, the Phyrexians and fact that Khan himself is like part of the legacy weapon like mm-hmm. is a fairly important character yep so yeah I did I did definitely enjoy episode 8 but yeah. again I feel I feel like that the pacing was was a little off and they just yeah. could have introduced Khan a bit better yeah it could have been more grand I think yeah I, I agree so did you have a, a favourite quote from that yeah it's a bit where, where uh, Mother Lady comes on to Dominaria yeah Chandra in her head like what's she doing on Dominaria was Chandra's first baffled thought then Hold it. How is she on Dominaria? She's not a planeswalker. I don't think she was a planeswalker. You can't be. How did... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's obviously... Oh, it's obviously Jaya. Well done. Okay. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of that happens where, like... Overdramatic nonsense. Yeah, like, something happens Mm -hmm. and and you go, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then in the next sentence, they explain the thing that happened and that totally takes away from that moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like, because they could have cut that bit out and it would have been really, really cool. Yeah. Because that that whole bit, it's... um, Chandra's been around. Mother Lutie stood there, right? Yeah. And then the last line is her saying... 
saying, I believe those are mine, right? Point to Jaya's goggles. Yeah. But the fact that she said, and pointed to Jaya's goggles, like you could have just said the goggles. You didn't have to have this whole thing about like, Mother Lucy isn't a planeswalker, <gasps> is she? Like, you didn't have to have that. And like, you could have just had her randomly appear and go, those are my goggles. And that would have been cool. But everything's just a little bit over-explained and a little bit spoon-fed. Yeah. And there's a lot of like nuance and cool stuff they could have done that just is sort of ruined. Yeah. Um, ugh. I don't know. That's, that's part of my problem with most of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think agree. most of it could have... You could have probably condensed this down to like six episodes. Yeah. Like six I, series, and it would have been paced a lot better and I don't know. Yeah, no, I think so. Like, even if you look back at like the, the other stories, like to a slight tangent, like mm-hmm. Ixalan had seven stories. Yeah. Uh, like, Rivals had like six stories. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I guess that's... I get it. Like, 13, I mean, episode, 13 episodes on the plane, which I guess is one more than Dominaria had like for the whole plane. But... Yeah. Yeah, like if they just condensed it down like even even just like 10 stories at the most would have felt a lot better I think yeah I mean like it's just because I get it because it's you know it's Dominaria and it's grand and it's meant to be amazing yeah totally you know, I've already talked at length about the fact that they spoiled the entire story by releasing the cards before the story yeah. um, we've been through how that could have been improved but it just feels like they're wasting part of it yeah they've got what, 12 episodes to tell this like really grand and amazing story and you're like when you actually condense it down nothing really happens they just speak to a lot of people yeah who are name checked on legendary creature cards yeah um, and then to Ferry's one in a desert or whatever and like they just seem to waste these episodes that could have been amazing yeah totally I agree like six of them seem really good and then the other six seem like either pointless or like they could have just condensed two of them into one story and it would have just flown a lot better yeah absolutely I don't know Um, anyway yeah that's good episode nine so episode nine Jaya explains it all she uh, explains pretty much everything, like how she's Mother Luti and talks to Chandra about everything and how she'll oh yeah she'll train her to be powerful, but Chandra's mm-hmm. not quite ready yet and yeah you know, all of that thing. At the same time, Khan explains that he's been digging at the the dig site uh, to find the Silex, which is a bomb powerful enough to end the Phyrexians forever. Sweet, which is oh, like, I'm really obsessed with those Phyrexians. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like that's the kind of thing like I want from like this you know big epic Dominora storyline. Yeah, know, like how. I am Khan. I'm here because I'm here to retrieve a bomb that is going to end Phyrexia forever. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Sign me right. up for that, definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Chandra Khan and, and Jaya all sort of get together to, to help Khan and help the, the dig continue. So they, they all band together to fight Multani and then the Weatherlight show up just in time and Multani eventually comes to his senses and calls off the, the attack of the tree folk. Uh, so Khan has the Silic. Everyone's reunited on the Weatherlight and then they, they finalise their, their plan to kill Bells and Locke. Yeah, good. Yeah. Which, At least things actually happened in this one. Yeah, totally. Like, again, I felt like the, the pacing was slightly off again. Like, they probably could have know, combined this with, like, another one, maybe. But at least, like you got some explanation behind things you got some motivation for Khan which was cool you got set up for a future set involving the Phyrexians because mm-hmm. that's it's really the only mention of Phyrexia in the story <coughs> so, so yeah, far surprisingly like, apart from like oh like ru- like ruins like like Thran ruins and like Phyrexian old like Phyrexian mon- monuments you know, like lots of like old decaying things like you would assume that nobody's mentioned Phyrexians at all so you would assume that that's it they're dead it's all gone but so it, it's quite nice to hear Khan mention that he he still has Phyrexia as his goal and plans to destroy it in a future set. Yep. Uh, but again, there was that that thing of like the Weatherlight shows up at just the right convenient time, and uh, I don't know. And Jace is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least they've, they've got their the finalised plan to kill Bell's knock. Um, yep. Did you have a favourite quote from that episode? Uh, yeah. So it's explaining how Jace got to how Jace got to them. Yes. <clears throat> 
your ether trials in Dominaria were close enough to crossing it that I suspected you might have met up with it. I had to do some calculations to adjust for altitude and speed. It was tricky but manageable. Uh. Thanks, Jace. I just because mm. I mean, like, it's because we've never really had an, an explanation of like planes walking specifically before. Yeah, as far as like this specific work, like what happens, and that could have been a really good point. to to like go into detail and like explain what happens and maybe I I think it's I think it's probably one of those things like like the force in Star Wars where mm. the the least said about it the better you kind of like think... allude to what what it does and then you just kind of leave it as this kind of like mystical magical thing but rather I think than going like oh yeah you have midichlorians and you can measure them and <laughs> I have more of this so I can have more force than you and you have less mm-hmm. you have more force than this person and so yeah I, I think if you just leaving that like mystical magical element to it I, don't know, I, think, I think it would be fine to go into before, like on with origins with like uh, like Chandra's ignition and stuff it seems like they have you know different colours have different ways in which they planes walk yeah because like, he's blue he had to do some calculations to adjust for altitude and speed which mm-hmm. isn't a very Jay's thing to do but um, like they could have gone into depth and it could have been cool and I think I understand the comparison with like the force and stuff like, like I get that but I feel like it would have been cool if it's just such a sort of throwaway line yeah and again like no one engages with it and then make a joke about his clothes <laughs> like, alright um, <laughs> another another favourite line and Jay's expression was grim and remained grim as he explained what he knew of Bolas's plan <laughs> yeah what, like, yeah okay grim and continue to be grim you don't have to say that twice I'm just being pedantic anyway <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah, next on our collective favourite episode of the uh, the whole thing. Um, oh, episode 10. Episode 10. Slimefoot waved. Slimefoot waved. Episode 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So pretty much, like, sort of nothing happens at all. Like, we covered it, like, last episode, or the episode before, like, whenever it was. Like, it's, it, I don't know. Like, Slimefoot is a really cool character. It's a really cool concept. Yeah. It's a really powerful card in Limited. But then the story, like, nothing happened. Yeah. Literally nothing happened at all. They just spend, like, a whole story talking about how Slimefoot grew from like a bit of fungus and then walked around the ship and waved at people Yeah, and it's like yeah sure like I get that you need to have some sort of like 80s training montage style episode while they're on the way to the stronghold and yeah like Jaya and Chandra are training Chandra and they're all like making plans and honing their skills and stuff and I get you have to do that but yeah. you don't need to spend a whole episode doing that it's yeah it's just I, even, I mean it doesn't even do that for a whole episode like 90% of the episode is talking about Slimefoot and Slimefoot growing and then yeah. the other 10% <laughs> is doing that yeah. weird training montage bit so great fantastic yeah the less said about this episode the better yeah I I agree like I love Slimefoot Slimefoot's great yeah, yeah, great character but yeah. it just it just felt so strange and it just felt really out of place to be doing that like so close to the end of the story as well Mm-hmm. because when, when we talked about this on, on an episode yeah. you thought it was like far early on in the story and you were like yeah, okay totally, yeah. but like, I, was, is... I was convinced we were only like week six into the story or something like yeah no, no this is yeah this is really far in yeah this is two episodes before the end yeah um, and nothing is happening and it's just like pleasantries between someone that doesn't have the vocal apparatus to reply yeah just waves at people no I, I agree there it was I think I think it was that like the, the the sort of placement of the story was the thing that really just really made me feel negative about, about the episodes like this would have been cool to have as like you know like I said like episode 6 episode 7 or whatever like it would have been cool to have it in then I mm-hmm. can have a filler episode then yep. but I guess they couldn't do that because they didn't have all of the characters for that point so like you couldn't have Slimefoot interacting with Khan and you couldn't have you know you couldn't have them be on the ship going towards the Cabal because there were still other things to do so yep. I don't know if they'd 
just cut out that episode which was solely about Teferi and trimmed down like a lot of the others and combined them, then mm-hmm. it just would have flown so much better. It would, definitely. Do you have a favourite quote from that episode? Slimefoot and Arvad stared at each other some more. Really great. good writing. I'm yeah. really impressed. Great. I think my, <laughs> I think my favourite is, and Slimefoot waved. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. Wave boy. Yeah. Oh, the amount of times it says slime foot waved a greeting. Oh, really? It's it's yeah. It says the phrase slime foot waved about six times in the uh, in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Slimefoot explored for a while. Yeah, he's going off, walking around. Slimefoot watched them for a while. Slimefoot does does a lot of things for a while. <laughs> Slimefoot thought about almost being killed by a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Slimefoot told the sprouts not to get too close to anything. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but any oh, there's so many sentences start with Slimefoot. Yeah, it, it was just I feel like a, like a real missed opportunity for something something good. Yeah. Ooh, oh well. Slimefoot twisted its upper part to regard Jorah closely. Yep. Slimefoot wasn't sure how to express its appreciation. There we go. That's a good. Yeah, I think that's a good sentence to sum the whole thing up. Really. So it handed her another tool. <laughs> Slimefoot, Slimefoot thought it was a terrible idea. Slimefoot found the stairs up to the deck and climbed into the garage sunlight. Slimefoot turned and waved a greeting. <laughs> oh my god! Just like, just because you mention the name Slimefoot a billion times doesn't mean the story's good enough. Yeah, it's, I agree. Oh god, like literally, like every other paragraph starts with Slimefoot. Yeah, like I, I get that they. I don't know. Like it feels really odd because so obviously Slimefoot isn't gendered at all because yeah, Slimefoot is like. I mean, first of all, like, Slimefoot is, like, multiple, like, organisms, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like a, like a network of funguses, fung- fungi, or, yeah, yeah, as opposed yeah. to, like, one, you know, one central nervous system and uh, whatever. And you wouldn't it's, gender a plant, I suppose. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't gender a plant, but... <laughs> He, like, why not just just use like they, them, there, yeah, like an it. Yeah, and or yeah, or e- even it, like totally. Rather yeah, like, than slimefoot did that. Slimefoot slime is that. Slimefoot, yeah. Slimefoot could smell smoke on the sea wind. Oh god, really? It was time to go back to the safety of the engine compartment. Yeah. Good. All right, let's move on before I get too angry. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we come to episode eleven. This so, stuff actually happens. Sort of, yeah. Again, yeah. so episode eleven was really the sort of put their their plan into motion. The fight in the stronghold. Teferi does some weird magic time stuff and freezes time in some places and not others. And <laughs> some magic time stuff. Yep, yeah, pretty much. That sounds like a, a grand oversimplica- oversimplification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, allows. Stuff? Gideon and Chandra, who've both been fitted with some a nice illusion camouflage, um, mm-hmm. to sneak into the stronghold uh, while the weatherlight can cause a distraction outside by sort of you know directly attacking the the cabal's sort of forces there. All is going well uh, until Gideon is pushed into a cabal fighting pit inside the stronghold, um, oh. and Yargle Yargle shows up. Your boy Yargle. Yep, Yargle comes up and uh, brings the fight to the weatherlight. Oh, that's, that's a good tagline. Yeah, it's a good tagline for like a Yargle movie. Definitely. I'd watch a Yargle movie. I would also watch a Yargle movie. Like, with some, like, proper backstory about, like, that spirit being put inside the, the, the maggot that was eaten by a frog. so like, dumb. Yeah. Let's write it. Let's so, do it. I just feel like this episode, like, important things should be happening, but uh-huh. it feels like it just takes so long for anything to happen. Like, I was going through that whole episode just being like, well, like, story spotlight cards three and four haven't happened yet. Like... Yeah, if you got like we've got two episodes, so we've got episode eleven and episode twelve to get through two story spotlights. Like yeah. it's a bit it's a bit <clears> bad, <throat> but yeah, okay, sure, fine, like one episode dedicated to each of them. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense. Whatever. And then you get through all of episode eleven, it's like, well, story spotlight number three hasn't happened yet. And yeah. 
we've got one episode left. It's just very obvious that, like, because the story spotlights are meant to be, like, chosen for... So, like, the first one happens in the first episode, right? Yeah. Broken Bond. Yeah. Um, but, like, it just clearly shows the pacing is way off because surely they should be, like, you know, what it should be episode one, yeah. episode four, episode seven, episode ten, episode twelve, like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> three and four happen in episode twelve and the first one happened in episode one. Like, what? how does that work? Yeah, no, it's just... It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's the thing that really threw it for me. And I think, yeah, even that, like, I think that was one of the, the factors that made me go, like, huh? Like, are we only on it? Like, we're only on episode six because, like, yeah. the half of the story spotlight hadn't happened yet. Yeah. But like, considerably more than half the story had. Yep. Oh, it's good. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I do feel like, although it was, it was definitely getting getting there, exciting things were starting to happen. Uh-huh it just felt like a lot of it felt unnecessary and like just something that they could have just combined with episode 12 yeah like you know they spent the whole of like episode 3 flying around and picking up like a whole crew for the weatherlight and yeah. that was a really important episode where a lot happened in that episode mm-hmm. whereas like not even a fraction of that happened in episode 11 yeah but Slimefoot did get to make a friend or two oh god Slimefoot did this Slimefoot did that Slimefoot replied I am Slimefoot oh my god yeah <laughs> god damn Slimefoot yeah. Oh well. So, did you have a favourite quote from episode eleven? Oh yeah. Right. This is uh, after an interaction between Jorah and Liliana, having previously explained um, that Jorah was used to Liliana's dry sense of humour. Jorah's ironic expression showed she knew that wasn't a joke. Yep. How is that? How is that necessary? Yeah, it just isn't. So it's talking about, like, so it says, uh, yes, in the pure manifestation of dark magic, Jorah explained, the number and variety of undead here are almost infinite. Then I should feel right at home, said Liliana dryly. That's funny. Yeah. Right? That's a humorous line. Um, and then immediately followed by Jorah's ironic expression, showed she knew that wasn't a joke. But, all right, like, you don't have to tell me what's a joke and what isn't and what's funny and just explaining everything down to the last little bit. Yeah. That's what has annoyed me about it. Um, yeah, there was the whole thing, like I said, the, the word, it was just so much of like, here's the thing, here's the punchline, and here's the thing explaining the punchline and also explaining why this character is reacting to this punchline in yeah. this way. Like, it's just so so many, like point is that you just you just don't need yeah uh yeah but the bit where Liliana tells Chandra to shave her head yeah yeah and she's I kind of want to after all the dirt you put in my hair but what, what kind of interaction is that between a few actual human beings yeah it doesn't happen no it's not great it's not great oh <sighs> So we, we come to the final story. Oh, thank God. Episode 12. <laughs> so, uh, Yargle pretty much just wrecks everyone. Like That sounds unlikely. Yeah, like, like somehow this, this 9-3 like, vanilla legend can't, <laughs> cannot be beaten by like the Weatherlight or like any of its crew members or like Liliana. I do actually want to, like, there is a little bit, because obviously Yargle features briefly in episode 11. Yeah. There is a bit of <laughs> This thing is not going to stop us, but it was going to delay them. Gideon and Chandra would be trapped in the stronghold, expecting the weatherlight to arrive at any moment. <laughs> yeah. Then Yargle roared and flung itself at the weatherlight. Hiya! Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was great to see Yargle sort of being portrayed that way. Plus, like, I don't know, it was just really odd that, like, so the, the card isn't good, right? Yeah, no, the card was like, it's an intentional meme, right? Yeah. but, uh, but they've, like, been, they've been, like, teasing a vanilla legendary creature for years Yes, now. yeah. Um, and 
so yeah, like the card, the card isn't good. Like it's it's barely it's barely playable, really. And it's you know it's not it's not a great card in a limited environment. Mm-hmm. How how does that beat a mythic from the set? Like how how does that beat like um, like multiple mythics from the set? How does like how does Yargle? Yeah, so like, you, oh, I can't Teferi beat Yargle. Like yeah. So when this when this story came out, you showed me you sent me a picture like an image someone had done where they laid out this like battle. Yeah, that there was like the um, what the board state was, would be. Yeah, what the board yes, state would be. Like, all these. All these uh, planeswalkers, all these legendary creatures like Muldrofa, Slimefoot, um, like all these, uh, the, the Weatherlight, right? Yeah. On the other side, you've just got Yargle, yeah. who is a 9 3, yeah. who loses in combat to nearly every creature on the other side of the board, yeah. who, like, Teferi can literally just activate ability to remove, yeah. who doesn't have reach, so can't actually block the Weatherlight, who would be murdered by <laughs> the Weatherlight. Like, it's just. Yeah, I've got a, I've got the picture of the, the board stood up. So we've got like uh, we've got Liliana, Death's Majesty, we've got Jaya Ballard, we've got uh, Shannon Sisseth's Legacy, Jahara's Familiar. Uh, we've got Raph, we've got Jaira, we've got the Weatherlight, we've got Tiana, we've got Arvad, we've got Slimefoot. We've got uh, an arguably infinite number of zombie tokens. Yep. Uh, and then we've got the the thing which does, in the end, manage to defeat uh, Yargle thanks to help from Slimefoot. Uh, we've got Muldrotha. Yep. And then I mean, I... on the other side we've got a Yargle. Like yeah, a nine, a nine three. Yeah. Like if. You laid out that board state in a game of limited. I think I know which player's winning. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like not not difficult. Like not with difficulty. <laughs> yeah, like it's a total divergence from my, my point there. From I guess from. The, the story there really but like it, that alone was just it just felt like such a flavour fail yeah it was really like because uh, flavour fail is one thing like you could kind of get it but just it's so bad yeah like if you have Yargle versus any one of those permanents on the other side of the battlefield yeah Yargle's going to die yeah absolutely it'll be like Slimefoot and a Saproling yeah something growing the Weatherlight like any of the creatures like most of the Weatherlight have three power right yeah they've all got three power apart from uh, Shanna who if you take into account that there's like, em- there's like a million zombies that Liliana's yeah, yeah, made yeah. anyway then like Shannon's yeah. gonna be massive two of the zombies yeah anything that Liliana can reanimate yeah Joy is actually pretty crap so maybe not but like you get what I mean like yeah it's just, it doesn't make sense no uh, but yeah it turns out Slimefoot is actually useful for something in the context of the story and yeah, manages to make friends with the the ground or the <laughs> like <laughs> the fungus or whatever Slimefoot is talking to you my new friend the floor yeah yeah <laughs> So Slimefoot talks to the floor and tells uh, tells them the plan, uh, what they're going to do. And uh, so yeah, the the ground, the fungus, the floor, whatever, uh, summons Muldrotha to come and take care of Yargle. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty good, pretty OP. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Gideon is fighting in the pit. Yep. Trying not to fight too well because like Bells and Locks there watching them, and he doesn't want to give away that he's a planeswalker when he's surrounded by all these Cabal minions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's yeah, fighting away. Um, Chandra's there as well, and eventually the there's a bit of a ruckus happens when the, the warning goes off that they're being attacked the weatherlight so people are running everywhere bells and knock leaves and Chandra and Gideon sort of regroup and they go off to find the black blade and then Rada is there as well they find the black blade and yeah. go outside and have this this big all sort of converging big battle so all of the, the weatherlight crew are there all of the battle are there everyone's finding each other all the zombies and spirits and whatever Liliana's controlling there mm-hmm. bells and locks there and yeah Gideon gets into a fight with bells and lock stabs him with the black blade but it doesn't go all the way Bells and Lock yeah. pits him knocks him to one side uh, allowing for Liliana to deliver the final blow with the blade she gets in and pushes it in and yeah. that's that big big demon killed by the big sword yeah it's sort of anticlimactic right yeah it definitely felt that way just 
stabbed him a bit. Oh, Lenny Allen stabbed him all the way. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, even then, it felt like it It happened fairly like late in that story itself, and like that's only uh, story spotlight card number three, mm-hmm. which, again, felt like a bit of a favour fail, because in that story spotlight, Belzenok isn't being stabbed with a sword. Yeah, he's being like... Like, death magic to death. Yeah, yeah, like Lenny Allen, right? Yeah. She's not holding a sword. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't have given too much away, wouldn't it? Yeah, quite probably. Mm, we already gave most of it away. Yeah, so post-fight after the battle, uh, Teferi takes the oath. So Teferi sworn in as the, the newest member of the Gatewatch. So Hooray. everybody's happy there. Uh, mm-hmm. But Khan and Jaya are just, they're, they're having none of it. They're like, no, we we don't want to get involved with that. Like, they could both decide, well, we'll consider it, but we're not going to we're not gonna swear anything, we're not going to sign anything. Yep. Obviously, Khan has more important matters, like, you know, delivering his bomb to Phyrexia to kill all of the Phyrexians <laughs> forever. Like, delivering <laughs> your bomb. Yeah. yeah well, uh, that's how he would say it, right? Yeah, Army. pretty much. Yeah, uh, but I guess uh, they all pretty much just agree that although the two of those haven't haven't sworn the oath and none of the, the Weatherlight crew have sworn the oath, they all agree that you know we're gonna we're gonna fight Bolus, we'll work together, teamwork makes the dream work, you know. Yeah. They all planes walk away, mm-hmm. except Liliana, who can't planes walk away. Like, oh no! Oh, what's what's that strange? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Turns out Nicol Bolas has been there all along. Oh, what a surprise! Uh, reveals himself, and uh, it turns out that Liliana's contract now belongs to him by default. So Small she print. didn't read the fine print. Yeah, she she <laughs> has to she has to work for him now. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty much you know it's like well you've got to obey your contract or you'll literally die. So come with me, and yeah. she has no choice but to leave and go with Bolas. I mean. She says she she's like oh I can get out of this right. Uh, well yeah she I think she considers like just dying for like a, a minute. But yeah, yeah yeah she's like well no I'm Liliana like I'm black I'm selfish that's one of my key attributes. Mm-hmm. So she goes with Bolus. So yeah. the others planes walked away and they, they meet with Jace and realize oh Liliana didn't follow us oh that's strange well maybe oh okay what's going on here and you know Jace is like well told you so yeah um, he's like. Oh, she's a bad person. She has the bad things. Yep, she's the bad person that does the bad things, and I knew she would do the bad things eventually. So you know, oh well, Gideon, sort of, you know, seeing seeing a different side of her. I think from the, the interaction that they've been having over the past, however long they've been on Dominaria, like months, mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it's like three yeah. mo- three months or something. A while. Yeah. So it's like no, like you can't just leave her behind. So he's like, well, look, you stay here. I'll go back. I'll go and look for her, and then I'll, I'll you know I'll return with her, or at least news news of her. Or, you know, I'll, I'll go figure it out. Gideon planes walk back to Dominaria and can't find any trace of Liliana at all. Mm-hmm. So he kind of thinks, well, you know, hope she hope she knows what she's doing. Quite worrying, but I don't know. Planes walks back to Ravnica, I assume they're at. And yep. there we go. End scene. End story. Yep. Gideon's like, oh, I bet she's fine. Yep. Oh, well, that was it. Happened, didn't it? It did. It happened. Yeah. Did you have anything from from that particular story that you enjoyed, or any sort of points you want to touch on? Uh, I'm Gideon Juro. I came here with Liliana Vess to kill you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Not Nothing great. like telling me your plan. Yeah. <laughs> just straight out, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. My favourite part of the story is when Rada was just there and then didn't matter at all. Yeah, that was it. It was like, I am Rada. And then, Hello. yeah, didn't didn't do anything. Like, you oh. didn't... There was never ever really an indication of Rada being there before that story, that brief bit in a story, and then there was never really any indication about what it does after that. Like, yeah. again, it's just like, let's chewhorn as many characters as we can because because we need to have the characters that are on the cards represented in the story. Mm-hmm. So that definitely, definitely did leave it, like, it down in some way. But yeah. I don't know. Like ov- overall, I thought like the story was fine. Like it probably should have just been, it probably should have just been like 
spliced together with episode 11 and they should have just done one big one where they like maybe shrink the Yargle fight yeah, down yeah because it was just too long yeah and then like I don't know all the nonsense about fighting in the pit and like trying to find the sword like cut that down a bit as well yeah yeah I don't know I thought oh, like, overall like as far as like the whole storyline goes it, it should have it should have been about half the size that it was I agree there was just too much shoehorning too many things that were explained that didn't need explaining and do you feel like it delivered on what it was trying to do as far as like bridge the old and the new uh no no not really it it felt like it felt like they just had this a sort of the gatewatch yeah they just had like a general like a, a general plot outline for the gatewatch like they were going to kill liliana's last demon it didn't matter where where the demon was yeah what was going on they had that was going to happen with the gatewatch yeah. and it was part of this greater bolas story where liliana was going to default to bolas yeah and they were like, oh, we'll do Dominaria and we'll just shoehorn this in there. Yeah. And then we'll name check all these characters who are cool on Dominaria. Yeah. And we'll call this Shana Cisse's legacy and we'll have some Capuchins. Yeah. Um, and they weren't they were fairly inconsequential to the story. Yeah. And most of the big characters were fairly, like, Karma's fairly inconsequential. Yeah, totally. It was fairly inconsequential apart from, like, looking like a badass old lady. Like, it was, it just felt like they sort of, they had a story arc for the Gatewatch that they've had for several years yeah. that ends on Ravnica. Yeah. But it could have taken place on literally any plane. Yeah. And it felt like the Ixlan story was far better thought out, like, with um, Azor and stuff like that, and Raska and Angrath, like, they, it felt very much tied to the plane. It felt very much like the plane mattered. Yeah, definitely. Whereas I, I do, yeah, I agree with you there. I do feel like they've, because it's the 25th anniversary of Magic, it made the perfect sense to go back to Dominaria. Yeah. And they've just crafted the story around the fact that they're going back to Dominaria mm-hmm. and shoehorned that into like the big plot arc as opposed to, you know, crafting a crafting a, a proper identity for the plane, really. Yeah, because I mean, <clears throat> the whole thing with Bell's arc is like, he actually has nothing to do with anything on Dominaria, really. Yeah. He's he rewritten all the, conveniently rewritten all the history books and story, like, oh, I've met, I invented the Cabal, I did that. When we know, wait, that's not true, right? Yeah. And that's sort of portrayed as a way to flesh out his character, like, oh, he's devious and he wants to rule everything. But it's just cheap. Like, he could have, they could have been on Lorwyn and he could, Belzenlock could have been like, yeah, I invented fairies. Yeah. Like, that would have been the same thing. Um, yeah. And they just name-checked all these things. Like, they said Cabal, they said the Weatherlight, they said Rada's name. Like, um, I just don't, it, it just felt cheap. Yeah, I agree. Because it could have happened anywhere, right? Yeah. Like, literally any other plane. Like, this could have happened on Mirrodin, and Belzenlock happened to live on Mirrodin. And it just felt like they had a big plan, and then they thought later that Dominaria um, would be a good setting for it. Yeah. And that mm, makes me feel a bit, not upset, but disappointed, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, there were some cool bits, like, yeah. And obviously, I've uh, had a real problem with the writing generally yeah. <laughs> the prose in general yeah I mean I, I can I, I think I, I can let a lot of like the writing like the actual technical writing side of things like slide definitely yeah, sure. yeah I felt like there were still a lot of unnecessary things and, and the pacing was off definitely and I feel like the I don't know strangely I feel, almost feel like the, like the story like, like the plot line itself doesn't do the set justice yeah like given how good the set is for both constructed and limited yeah and like the, the flavour of the actual card is sweet yeah absolutely and like the sort because in terms of the like the physical cards like the name checking is cool and yeah. interesting and like like you were saying like we said when we first like fought, saw the full spoiler like every original set is mentioned like hard uh, stuff like that you get like like guardians of coilas and then you yeah. get like random names of these like things but that's kind of cool on a card because cards are very limited in what they can do yeah and how much flavor you can put into a card and some cards that don't have flavor text just have a name and some art are really really flavorful and really really cool yeah and then this like thousands and thousands of words of prose 
just doesn't work. No. And it just feels really underdeveloped. Um, with, like, stuff like, uh, so, Urgrass, right? One of the legendary creatures. Yeah. Urgrass was still unaccounted for. We thought it vanished when Belzenlock was killed, but perhaps not. And then just, like, it just moves on. Like, it doesn't, just, like, none of these characters matter, none of them are, are consequential in any way. They're just there. Yeah. Um, this is a legendary matters, like. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, it's it's meant to be, like, a legendary matters plane, or legendary matters set, but mm-hmm. it feels like the, the legendaries don't really matter. But they could have done that without putting them in the story. Like, it would have just been cool to have, like, like the, the whole Rada thing. Yeah. Like, Rada is cool because we know Rada from uh, Time Spiral. Yeah. Right? And you can see in the picture that she's gotten swole, she's dope now, she's Grand Warlord Rada, and she's cool. And that, that would sort of have been okay, just leaving it as the card. Yeah. Like, oh, she's still there, she's doing okay. But just randomly shoehorn her into the story and not have it matter. Um, and I think they could have probably focused just on the Weatherlight crew. Yeah, I think so. In terms of story, and then, like, oh, Adelaide is there, she's a legendary wizard, and, like, Rona's there, and, you know, she's just a, a thing. And, like, they could have just put a little flavor text on it and been fine, and you didn't have to waste parts of the story on it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what annoys me most about it, is that uh, they could have they could have just done a few of the cards. Yeah. Because most of the time, the cards speak for themselves, and like, I like cards because of the flavour, and I don't really care about having this like, absurd backstory. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I'd like, <laughs> I think people know that, that I like to complain a lot. <laughs> but those are just my, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I think, I think they are definitely justified. Yeah. But yeah, I think we'll... We'll have to see where Core 2019 takes us. Like, I'm um, excited. The story sounds really cool. Yeah, I feel like you can you can rarely get Bolus wrong, like ever. Like even when he's written, like I don't think he's ever been written badly so far. No, no, Bolus is always dead. And like, I love Ugin, and I can't wait to see more of his character and even more about the background of the two of them together. And any absolutely, absolutely any any time spent on Tarka is is a plus for me definitely mm-hmm. yeah so that was I guess our, our main topic covered quite in depth I think this week so we got yeah we've gone in like... gone in hard on the story I think so, <laughs> <laughs> I think if uh, you know if anybody wants to get in touch and give your opinion on, on the story which parts you enjoyed did you enjoy any of it like did you just hate it all like are, too pedantic yeah like are we are we just wrong like mm-hmm. I'm open to that yeah get in touch let us know hey you can find us on Twitter we are at hfdcast on Twitter and facebook.com slash hfdcast Dcast, uh, or it's just a, at, at hfdcast at gmail.com as well or if mm-hmm. you want to get into our personal uh, social media accounts it's just Joe Loudon on Facebook uh, you can find me pretty much any of like the, the UK magic groups trading groups discussion groups I'll be in there posting heavily mm-hmm. same with me um, just Sam Neal on Facebook if you search uh, S-N-E-A-L you'll probably find me sweet or you'll probably find me buying loads of expensive magic cards and then two weeks later selling those same expensive magic cards because <laughs> I have a problem <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think that's about all we have time for this week on Hour of Devastation uh, once again we are uh, well approaching the second hour Godfarer has returned uh, we'll see you all again next week bye bye